in that song that we heard. But it, it's, uh, I've got the, uh, the lyrics here if you want to um, uh, see them or Google uh, them. It's um, the script, Science and Faith. Fascinating how this seemingly scientific sort of man confronts his girlfriend with the scientific proof. And then she just floors him as she uh, says this thing, you can't find faith or hope down a telescope. You won't find heart and soul in the stars. And, and that they're different. And that's one thing I want to get across today. That you can be scientific, can be a scientist, and have faith. And one of the reasons is because they, uh, they're different and they look at things in a different way. The other thing I want to uh, draw out today is that I don't believe there's anything to fear from science. I'm intentionally being positive this morning. There's lots of questions that I have, and I didn't know quite how to um, uh, lead this. But I want to be positive and say those two things. You can be a scientist and have faith, there's nothing to fear from science. And I also wanted to draw your attention to the militant atheism that is around, which tries to show that science is the answer and that science has disproved God. That's what the militant atheism is doing. But I don't believe that that's actually correct. And so I want to just confront that idea to you because... I believe that there's a, perhaps a fear amongst Christians that really science has done that. That the more we find out about science and the world, the less we know about God and perhaps God doesn't really exist. And there is that fear. And I was, just want to confront that this morning. There's lots of other ways I could have gone talk about evolution or the God particle, or, but I just want to talk about those general things this morning. And if there's enough interest, then on another occasion we can talk about those others. Just a couple of definitions. What's science? Well, a definition is using observation and experimentation to describe and explain natural phenomena. How do you define faith? Well, let's listen to God's word, shall we? Elaine, would you like to uh, define faith for us by reading Hebrews? Or you can choose your own definition. Which would you like? You'll just read. Yeah. So um, uh, this is a reading from the book of Hebrews. Particularly listen to the first verse, which gives us a definition but then there's uh, lots of great examples of faith. Thank you. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 to 12. Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. By faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man, 
when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith Enoch was taken from this life, so that he did not experience death. He could not be found, because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, when warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By his faith he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. By faith, Abraham, even though he was past age, and Sarah herself was barren, was unable to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so, from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Amen. Thank you, Elaine. Great examples of, uh, of faith there. All of those people, like Noah, who built the, the ark, if we believe the story. There's lots of questions, aren't they? Well, I'm not going to answer all of the questions today, but let's just look at that definition. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for, an assurance about what we do not see. Doing the experiment here, it was a bit difficult for you to see, but you can imagine it that uh, we can't see air, but uh, we believe in it. Now, I'm conscious that uh, I promised a junior church that they could have this. Is there perhaps a, a volunteer or, or two just to um, take it to? Oh, thanks, Steve. So there was a, a number of examples that uh, we had that we believe in things we, don't, we can't see. See, when I, I talk uh, to people about faith, often people will say, unless I can touch it, I won't believe it. I'm scientific in my thinking. I need to be able to, to see it and touch it and feel it. Now, that's, that's okay. But really, they, and perhaps you've also talked to people, but... Really, that's a misunderstanding of, uh, of general belief, isn't it? Because we've already said about electricity and gravity, which we believe in. And love. Love's an interesting one, isn't it? 
Now, which couple can I embarrass? <laughs> oh, Molly wants uh, mum and dad to be embarrassed. Hands up who thinks Molly's right. <laughs> yes. So, you see, um, uh, uh, that uh, Andrew and Helen, they love each other. But, but how can we prove that? Can they prove that? No. Yeah, no. Well, you can't prove it, can you? You can perhaps give some evidence. You know, perhaps every week Andrew comes home with flowers. I'm sure that happens. But, but then people might say, well, that's just because he's done something naughty and he just, um, uh, you know, who knows? Or, or every morning, Helen makes uh, Andrew a cup of tea and brings it to him and say, there you are, bring your breakfast in a minute. I'm sure these things happen. But, and that's evidence of love, but it's not actual proof, is it? And there's some things that can't be proved in that way, perhaps proved scientifically. And if you think about it, they are the most important thing. Who cares whether a chair exists? Well, unless you want to sit on it. But it's not that big a deal, is it? Whereas about love and hope and faith, they're somehow different. And I think that science and faith look at things in a different way. And so Andrew and Helen have faith that they love each other and I'll stop embarrassing them now. But you can't prove that. And I think in a more general way, with science and faith, that they look at things in a different way, look at truth in a different way. And we need to acknowledge that. And that, uh, so therefore, the first point is that you can be a scientist and have faith. Because in some ways, you just look at truth in a different way. So you can't prove scientifically that God exists. But also, the other way, you can't just say to some scientist who's perhaps, well, let's think of a silly example, trying to make gold out of plastic. Well, just have more faith. If you have enough faith, then it'll work. It just doesn't, doesn't work. Do you understand what I'm meaning? And it, it's, sometimes people say that science is about the how and faith is about the why. So if you wanted to explain about that cup of tea and um, putting on the kettle, then uh, a, a scientific explanation would be about the chemical energy in the gas going into heat energy, which um, uh, heats up the water, and if there's enough heat, then the water molecules will escape and there'll be the water vapour, the steam coming up. Or you could explain it by the fact that you just want a cup of tea. So you have the how and the why. Bit of a trivial example, but that's the same with the universe that was talked about in that, in that reading. The start of, uh, of the universe. What... Um, uh, um, in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. 
There's a real faith statement there. And the reading that Derek read out right at the start, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. This isn't a scientific explanation as to how it happened. It's a faith statement as to why. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And you need to look at the evidence. And we won't be able to prove that God made the, uh, the earth or not, made the universe, but we can look at evidence to make and see that it's a credible belief. See, I don't believe that um, we just should have a blind faith. Oh, well, we'll just believe it. I think our faith needs to be credible. And so it's good to look at science. And so uh, this first point that we can have a scientific view and a faith view, and they do hold together because they look at things in a different way. The history of science and, um, and faith is interesting. For many years, um, Christians and people of faith were at the forefront of scientific discovery. Isaac Newton, for example, many say is a founder of modern science, a contemporary of Thomas Risley, who we've been remembering, that uh, he was a man of faith. Faraday, um, who discovered lots about electricity and electromagnetism, um, uh, was a committed Christian. And in fact, the Faraday Institute, we're going to see a a DVD from the Faraday Institute who look at the science and faith and I'd encourage you to explore more. There has been many Christian scientists and there still, still are today. Polkinghorne is one of the most famous who's now retired. It may interest you that there was a survey done in 1916, 1916 asking Amongst active scientists, how many of you believe in God? How many of you pray to, uh, to God? The survey revealed that 40% of them did believe and pray to God. 20% were unsure and 40% didn't. That was in 1916. In 1997, the survey was repeated, presumably with different people. That was a joke, by the way. Larry, you can laugh at that. Just check you're still listening. And the results are interesting, very similar, almost exactly the same. There's a slightly more do not believe, 45% do not believe, but the rest were either unsure or do believe. Now that really annoys lots of atheists scientists, haven't they now realized that there is no God? And that really winds them up that many scientists, as they discover more and more about science, uh, more and more about the world, come to faith. Gregor Mendel was one, a Victorian geneticist who uh, did a lot of research. He was a friar. And often as you encounter science, you hear about Reverend such and such in the Victorian times did stuff. But let's not be over positive. Galileo had a hard time from the church. 
Darwin had a hard time because it was perceived, and maybe it was, uh, against Christian teaching. You see, there, I think, was a time when there was a conflict, more of a conflict, perhaps, between faith and science. And maybe we're just still in that phase, uh, those who haven't studied it too much. See, at one time, that... uh, God explained everything. So, for example, lightning. Lightning strike came down, just missed Andrew, and he said, oh, praise God that um, I must have done something really bad because um, uh, I almost got hit by the lightning bolt. That that was at God's command, the lightning bolt. And then people, as they discovered things, realized that it was electricity. And you could explain it scientifically. And the reason it just missed Andrew was because there was a big metal pole just next to him, and it it went down there rather than him. And so what developed is what's been coined the God of the gaps. That at one time, God explained everything. And then as there was more scientific discovery, say on lightning, oh, well, yeah, okay, so God isn't in control of lightning. But he's in control of the rest of it. But then as there was more scientific discoveries, the rest of it became smaller and smaller. And it became the God of the gaps. And and just whatever couldn't be explained by science, that's the bit that God was, uh, was concerned with. There's a danger in that in that it gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And so uh, then people say, well, eventually we'll know everything and there won't be any room for God. And so there's this fear about discovering, about science. And of course, there's many of the atheists who try and um, uh, encourage people to believe in the God of the gaps. But more modern scientists I think see things a little different that rather than the God of the gaps it's again the God of everything that as we discover more about science we discover that there is a unity that there is a, a majesty that there is a wonder of well some people call it intelligent design Some people call it the creator. And so I want to encourage you the second point, that not to be afraid of science. That it seems that for many people, the more they discover about the world, the more they believe. Let's take the start of the universe, for example. Um, What's the current theory about the start of the universe, how it began? What's it um, called? The Big Bang, yes. Um, Fred Hoyle, um, uh, a Cambridge scientist, uh, coined that phrase. Many believe in a derogatory term because he didn't believe in it. And um, he believed in the steady state. And and many people did that, that there wasn't this start. But now most people believe in the Big Bang uh, and, in fact, Um, uh, Hoyle, before he died, changed his mind from the steady state, and he now called it the the steady bang, that he sort of mixed the two a little. But um, um, 
But if you think about it, the Big Bang, this thing that there was a, a start, well, doesn't that fit in with the reading that Derek, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth? And so you can see that perhaps some would say that the more we discover about science, the more we learn. Fred Hoyle was uh, interesting, and uh, I'm going to ask Andy if he'd show uh, a clip from a DVD. It's introduced by this um, Polkinghorn, who's um, uh, well, he's a scientist, but a retired scientist now, and he talks about the time. Um, uh, now, you may it may not um, sort of. Um, help you, but I, I hope it does. And it's from this Faraday Institute, so let's hear about what he says. If you want to watch more, then you'll have to either buy or borrow the DVD. But hopefully that was of interest to some. And about this finely tuned universe that we have. So the more we discover about science, for many, the more they have faith. Um... One man for whom this was true was this man who wrote this book, Anthony Flew. I've mentioned him before, but Anthony Flew was a famous atheist. And when I was at college, he was put up as, this is the, uh, the atheist, a bit like Dawkins is today. And, uh, and he wrote a book saying that there is no God. But then... Later on in his life, he re-looked at the evidence, the scientific evidence. He didn't have an experience of God, he just looked at the evidence. And he, he, he said this, Flew stated that the most impressive arguments for God's existence are those that are supported by recent scientific discoveries. And that the argument to intelligent design is enormously stronger than it was when I first met it. So after 50 years of being the most famous um, atheist in many circles, he changed his mind. And he believed in God. And so he wrote this book, There is, and the no is crossed out, there is a God. And the reason was because he uh, looked at the scientific answers. So I don't believe there's a, a fear of science. I'm not, I, as I mentioned at the beginning, I give, I'm giving the positive answers here. There are lots of questions that I and others have. But let's not fear, let's investigate. Because we need to be aware of this, and this is my last point, the militant atheism that's out there. Richard Dawkins is one of the foremost people, and some of you have heard him. He, he wrote the book, The God Delusion. Um, uh, Anthony Alistair McGrath, who was on that uh, film at the end, wrote The Dawkins Delusion in answer to him. And uh, in it, he, he says how um, what um, uh, Richard Dawkins says in his book if this book works as I intend, religious leaders, religious readers who open it will be atheists when they put it down. So his intention was to create atheists. That was the God delusion. The Dawkins delusion just pulls holes in what he said. 
this militant atheism is, uh, is around in all sorts of ways, uh, in, in schools and in the um, uh, government organisations as well. We need to be aware of it. There's been a recent website being produced. It's called Kids Without a God, just produced at the end of last year. And it's, uh, it says this, Kids Without a God, a site for kids who have embraced science rejected superstition and dedicated to being good without God. Now it's interesting because I would like to say I would encourage children to embrace science, reject superstition and be good but with God. And it's an interesting site, you can go on to it. It features Darwin the dog, okay, a cartoon character called Darwin the dog who uh, says that he's a humanist. But as J. John pointed out, shouldn't he be a dogist if he's a, a dog? Um, uh, and uh, and uh, what he makes various promises and encourages children to do the same. And he says um, that he only believes in things that he can see in the real world. Now, we've already said that that's an odd th- sort of thought, isn't it? So uh, presumably he's scientific, but he doesn't believe in gravity because he can't see it. And then he says, I promise to be nice to other people just because it's the right thing to do. Well, who says it's the right thing to do? Certainly uh, the evolutionary scientists like Dawkins wouldn't because evolution says it's the survival of the fittest, not the survival of the nicest. But that's a whole new subject over evolution. So Dawkins wrote the God delusion, McGraw the Dawkins delusion, and just one thing that he said from there, and I'll end at this point, Dawkins talks about the viruses of the mind. It's an odd idea. And uh, he talked about if you are people of faith, then you've got a disease a virus of your mind. He can't come up with any other explanation why these apparently intelligent, rational, scientific people still believe. And so he came up with this idea that it must be some religious virus that infects people. And he he coined the term the faith sufferer. And he says that um, um, uh, if, uh, if these um, mind parasites get stronger, they'll form gangs that will come to constitute a package and uh, form a collective, uh, uh, a church. Now this, to me, is such a, an odd concept for a scientist. There's no scientific backing for this. He's just come up with this theory because I presume it fits in with, with what he wants. There's no proof, there's no science. So I think we need to be aware of militant atheism, but let's try and confront it when we can. I'm not naive enough to say that there's not great answers, great questions rather, that still require answers. But if I could reiterate my three points. The first is that I believe that we can have a scientific view and a faithful view, because the two things look at things in sometimes a different way. 
that we're not scared, we needn't be scared of science because it seems the more we discover, the more we can see what a fantastic God we have. And as I was revising this this morning, I just thought, this, this amazing God, and, and he wants us to pray to him. He wants us to serve him. That is a mind-blowing idea. And then the last thing, just be aware of this atheistic militancy that is around, which tries to give the lie that if you really believe in science and you really can't believe in God, I don't believe that's true. And I know looking around, I know there's lots here who are involved in science or in engineering in their works, and you also believe the same as me, that you can have this scientific view and a faithful view. I hope that's been helpful. Um, uh, I hope there's some good discussion over coffee. But now, I'd like us to turn to, uh, to God. And uh, Colin is going to pray.